Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. I'm glad you decided to join us today because we're actually going to be doing loving-kindness meditation together. This is a meditation that's going to help you to eliminate any kind of anger, hatred, ill will, and even other versions of this like resentment or hostility or aggression. This is where the mind has this interest to push things away. When the mind experiences painful feelings, it will have a tendency to push it away with hatred, anger, ill will, hostility, aggression. And this is because the mind has that craving where that craving in the mind, that mental longing and strong eagerness is searching and yearning for pleasant feelings. And when it gets what it wants, the objects of its affection, it experiences pleasant feelings. But those feelings are just temporary. And if it doesn't get what it wants, then it oftentimes will experience painful feelings of sadness or frustration or irritation or guilt or shame or fear. And when the mind experiences this, it will push away these painful feelings, oftentimes pushing people out of your life And when you do this over and over and over again, what you end up coming to later in life is there's very few people in the world that you can actually spend time with because you've kind of pushed everybody out of your life because they don't really meet your criteria or certain conditions that you've set in the mind of things that you need in order to spend time with somebody or be friends with somebody or have a certain relationship with somebody. And this is only going to cause problems because as you go through life, this list of criteria just tends to get longer and longer and longer about what you want from people in order for you to feel comfortable to be around them. And oftentimes what we want is we want them to agree with us and we want this very agreeable, pleasant experience from this other person. We're looking for them to somehow please us in one way or another. And when we don't experience that, then the mind becomes to the point where it wants to push this person away. And again, you find yourself very isolated in life. Well, the way to transform this hatred, anger, ill will, this hostility, this resentment is to train it to have loving kindness or active goodwill towards all beings. And we do that with loving kindness meditation. Today is part three of a four part series that I'm doing in terms of helping students to learn loving kindness meditation. And I was interested to just do a little bit of a review of the problem which is this pushing away or this aversion, we call it, where the mind wants to push these painful feelings away. 
And the antidote to this, the antidote to this aversion or these interests of the mind to have this hostility or anger or hatred is loving kindness. By cultivating loving kindness in meditation and then practicing loving kindness in daily life within the relationships that you have, then what you're going to find is that the mind's going to be more open and more interested to have healthy relationships because it's practicing this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment, where you're no longer judging based on certain criteria or conditions of whether this person belongs in your life or not. You are just able to reside peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, no matter what's going on in your life. Now, you may disagree with somebody's intention, speech, and actions, and you may not agree with how somebody treats others or something like this, but there's ways for you to peacefully coexist with all beings without judging them based on the way that they treat others. And this comes with training. And one of the big components of that is training the mind with loving kindness meditation. This loving kindness that we talk about, if you use the traditional language that the Buddha used, or at least that's captured in the Pali Canon, they use the word metta. So you may see people talking about loving kindness using the word metta or metta meditation. What loving kindness is, is this active goodwill where you're interested in seeing others be well and you have a genuine interest in seeing others be peaceful this is the antidote or the wholesome root or the remedy to this hatred anger and ill will this is what transforms it because with the mind having this hostility and being interested to push everyone away or at least you know when you're experiencing painful feelings pushing those painful feelings and thus the individuals that you attribute these painful feelings to with the mind being interested to do that the way that you antidote that is you cultivate this active goodwill or this interest in seeing all beings be peaceful and you train the mind to no longer push away this painful feelings and part of that training is found in the four noble truths where you understand that the painful feelings that you experience are not coming from other people. Other people aren't causing your mind to be angry. They're not causing you to feel guilty or shameful. Other people aren't causing the hostility that's harbored in the mind. This is actually caused by craving, desire, attachment. That's the first problem that the Buddha discovered, the primary problem. And with the mind having this longing with a strong eagerness, wanting things to be a certain way, when it doesn't get that, that's when it pushes away with this anger, hostility, this ill will. So the opposite of this is the wholesome root of loving kindness. The unwholesome root is the hatred, anger, and ill will. So to transform that or antidote that, we practice the wholesome root and we first cultivate this in meditation and then we practice it in daily life through being polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings. Oftentimes we're taught in modern society that people need to earn our respect and we don't respect people until they've earned our respect. Well, if someone needs to earn our respect, then that means we have to judge them first. 
And judgment isn't going to help you. It actually only harms you by judging others. So a better way to practice and break through this wall where the mind wants to judge others and determine if they're worthy of your respect and your politeness is to eliminate the judgment and just look at all beings as equal and treat all beings as human beings. And this will help bring your mind into practicing this politeness, kindness, friendliness, and respectfulness in all situations where you no longer have to determine whether you're going to respect this person or not through judgment, which actually is quite a big burden to carry around. That takes a lot of energy and effort to carry that burden of having to judge everybody and figure out who you're going to respect and who you're not going to respect, where it's so much easier to just walk into an environment where you're just polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to everybody that you see, everybody you encounter. You're not trying to siphon through all these things that happened in the past to determine whether or not you should respect this person or not. You just always polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. No matter what's happened or transpired in the past, you just always treat all beings with this genuine interest in seeing them be peaceful. This will help you to eliminate the harshness, the bitterness, the hostility, the resentment in the mind. Because in order to get to this enlightened mental state where the mind is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy permanently, you need to let go of all harshness, whether you're harboring something from the recent past or something in the long distant past because oftentimes we hold on to this harshness bitterness hostility and resentment for things that happened long in the past five ten even 20 years ago or longer people's minds can hold on to these hostile feelings and this is the craving this is the clinging this is why the mind has the problems that it has because it's always wanting to hold on And that's why we practice breathing mindfulness meditation in order to train it to let go. And this is why we practice generosity to train the mind to let go and not to hold things so tightly. And more and more, as you do this over multiple sessions, you gradually train the mind to let go, let go, let go. And you start softening the mind and letting things go. Doesn't mean you allow people to just walk all over you or treat you unkind and you just accept that. It means that you can still choose that, okay, I disagree with this person's intention, speech, and actions, and I'm going to choose not to spend time with them. But when you walk away from that situation or from that relationship, you don't harbor any hostility in the mind. You just understand that this person is lacking the understanding of true reality. They're lacking the wisdom to understand how their intentions, their speech, and their actions are actually harming them. Don't allow it to harm your mind that it's just a matter of them not understanding these teachings, not understanding true reality about how their speech and their actions and their thinking, their intentions are actually causing them problems. Because any kind of hostility or resentment that you hold on to, it's only going to harm you in your mind because that's going to be there as an undercurrent. And ultimately, not only do you have that hostility attributed to that person from 5, 10, 20 years ago, but that's going to come out in other relationships that you have. 
So in order to get to this enlightened mental state, you have to eradicate and eliminate all this hatred, anger, and ill will that even if it's just a little smidget in the mind, you have to just eradicate all of that. And the Buddha even uses the word obliterate. You need to obliterate this from the mind. And it's only through a dedicated, consistent meditation practice and then practicing these teachings in daily life that you're going to be able to come to that. This is one of the Brahma Viharas that we're going to talk about in chapter 13 as the four wholesome mental states or the four Brahma Viharas that need to be cultivated in the mind and each of these antidote specific problems in the mind. But I was mainly interested in just doing this little bit of a recap for today because we talked about this on our very first session two weeks ago about loving kindness and what it is. And then we're going to move this into practice where we now start meditating and we create these rings. We start with our own mind and then we move out to successive rings further and further and further out until we encompass all beings. And we use these affirmations in the mind in order to cultivate this loving kindness in the mind. And if you're just starting out with this practice and you've only been doing it for a few weeks or a few months, you may not feel it right now. You may not feel that genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. And that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. That doesn't mean you're bad at this meditation. It's just an indication that, yeah, you really need to do this meditation because you're just not feeling it. When I first started this meditation, I didn't feel it either for many, 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 many months. And it wasn't until I worked with it closely and just continued to work at it and work at it that it slowly made its way into the mind and I was able to slowly practice that in daily life. So if you're feeling through this meditation that you just don't feel that genuine interest in others being well and that goodwill towards others, then that's a good awareness of mind that you know that this is a very good meditation for you to eradicate any kind of ill will or hatred that you're harboring in the mind. Another thing to keep in mind as we're doing this meditation is that this isn't a way of wishing others to be well as some kind of prayer or some kind of way of changing other people. This meditation is all about changing your mind. And by changing your mind, now when you cultivate this loving kindness towards others, when you're in conversations with them or you're interacting with them, your intentions, speech, and actions are going to emanate from this loving kindness. And now by you improving your practice slowly over time, others may choose to change the way that they are as well. But of course, that's on them whether they do that or not. We don't have any control over another being. So there's nothing ever in our meditation, whether it's breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, or any other meditation we might do, where we're actually able or even attempting to change other people. This entire path is all about changing your mind. And by doing that, in you putting out more active goodwill towards all beings without judgment, then over time, many months and years, this is more of what will come back to you because this is how you're practicing around other people and other people will treat you the same way because of the natural law of gamma or this cause and effect, this action and result, essentially the result of your decisions. 
So your decisions to do loving kindness meditation and cultivate this in the mind, develop this as a practice, and then in daily life, practice loving kindness, those good wholesome decisions that you make on a day-to-day basis and a moment-by-moment basis to practice these teachings, to practice this meditation, and to practice loving kindness in daily life will result in amount to you practicing more and more loving kindness. Therefore, more and more of that is what will come back to you. But you don't do this because you're looking for something to come back to you or that you want something to come back to you. You learn these teachings and practice them because they're good, wholesome teachings that are leading to the improvement of your mind. And you don't think about what's going to happen to benefit you in the future. You just think about right now, what's the best thing you can be doing for your practice in your mind. So loving kindness is a very important component of any practice on this path to enlightenment. And the Buddha classified it as the second most highest meritous thing that we could actually do in our practice. The second most highest wholesome thing that we can actually do in our practice is to practice loving kindness meditation and develop this in the mind. The first highest priority is breathing mindfulness meditation. So in our meditation today, we're going to lead into it with breathing mindfulness meditation for a period of time. And I've taught that in the past. Then we're going to do loving kindness meditation. Then we'll finish up with some more breathing mindfulness meditation at the end. And we'll have a nice session here where you'll get a chance to experience loving kindness meditation. And then you can do this on your own week by week, day by day, so that you can benefit from the results of cultivating loving kindness and then actually practicing it in daily life. So before we actually do our meditation, I would just like to pause and see if there's any questions from anyone in our YouTube platform, our YouTube channel, in Facebook, in Zoom. If you have a question, you can put it in the comment section and one of our moderators will see that. If you're in Zoom, you can raise your hand electronically and ask your question directly if you like, or our moderators will see your comment in either Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. So any questions that you guys have, feel free to send those in and we'll answer those before we get started with meditation. And then we'll also take some questions at the end of meditation as well. Hi, David. Gloria has her hand raised, so let's go to Gloria. Sure. Hello, David. Um, uh, My question is um, about memories from the past. Um, I think a, a lot of our personal difficulties in life it has to do with what we call our traumas from the past and it has to do that we it sounds to me that it has to do with our habit of thinking about it and i feel that sometimes it's even unconscious um well i'm just going to speak from my my personal experience Mm -hmm. um so and, and, and I think that it has influenced how my present life is right now and some things. It has to do, one of them that I can say is um, relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I've, I maybe is that I bring my past unconsciously and reflect it on other people and then um, 
then maybe uh, I, I start to think that they're going to be acting that way. So that's, is that that question, is that what you're referring to? Because if that's something that can be helpful, that, that will help, that's a big step, I think, in many of us, because I think many of us have so much trauma. Yeah, thank you for giving that example, Gloria. And let me explain the problem more through the Buddhist teachings that you just talked about. It's a great example. And then I'll talk about the solution. So what you're describing is how the unenlightened mind holds on to experiences, situations, relationships from the past. And we allow that to burden the unenlightened mind. And then there's this subconscious mind that's kind of like buried deep inside the mind that is kind of there kind of as an undercurrent and as a tone and the mind tends to kind of go there and inflict harm on itself because it keeps reliving and experiencing these harms from the past this is how the unenlightened mind holds on to things because of this craving this clinging this is the primary problem that the buddha describes as the mind goes to the past right and there's this subconsciousness there this kind of two separations of the mind where there's this conscious mind and the subconscious mind and then there's this hostility this anger this resentment right well all three of these things get remedied through the path to enlightenment it's not just meditation but the entire path because that first aspect of the problem that you're describing which is this clinging this craving this gets remedied through breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity, training the mind to let go, not spend time in the past, but only reside in the present moment. So that helps to bring the mind into the present moment. As you do that, as you practice breathing mindfulness meditation, generosity, and the entire path to enlightenment, all eight steps and all the different teachings, as you get closer and closer and you move the mind into the jhanas, that right concentration that we talked about, I think it was a good three weeks ago now, when the mind starts moving into these jhanas after a, a good number of sessions, and we're talking probably a good year or two at a minimum, if somebody really dedicates time to learning and practicing the Eightfold Path, the mind will move into these jhanas where the mind experiences what's called unification of the mind or oneness of mind, where the mind no longer has this consciousness and this subconsciousness. Because the subconscious mind actually influences a lot of decisions that we make, and we're not always necessarily aware of it in the unenlightened state. And we oftentimes get ourselves into trouble and we look back and we're like, why did we do that? That was so silly. But it's this subconscious mind holding on to these traumas from the past or past situations and that's what's motivating the decisions. But when you train the mind on this Eightfold Path and you eventually get into these kind of four preliminary phases of the jhanas, which is prior to getting into the first stage of enlightenment, the mind then becomes one or unification of the mind where now, because you've been practicing so well and you've trained the mind so well, there's no longer a subconscious mind that you have complete and full awareness of the entire mind. 
in the unenlightened state, we don't have awareness of the entire mind. We don't have awareness of that subconscious mind because we haven't developed right mindfulness and we haven't developed right concentration. We haven't developed that awareness of mind. We haven't developed that concentration. So that's why that subconscious can come up and rear its ugly head and cause us all kinds of problems in our life, either through decisions that we make or just like you're talking about where the mind just kind of relives these traumas from the past. So by dedicating oneself to breathing mindfulness meditation, generosity, the entire Eightfold Path and moving closer and closer into the jhanas in right concentration, you'll get to the point where you have full awareness of the mind and you've now cleaned out a good part of all of that trauma and problems that are incurred when the mind goes to the past and drifts to the past and relives those traumas. And then with this loving kindness meditation, this is the third prong of this solution to the problem you're describing is now as the mind's letting go of the past, letting go of the past traumas, as the mind becomes more unified into one and there's no longer this subconscious that is influencing it, then what you're also doing as part of this practice that I'm helping you build as part of your life practice is you're moving in this loving kindness, this active goodwill while moving in these wholesome mental qualities, you're essentially pushing out any kind of hostility or anger or ill will or resentment that the mind is harboring. So this whole approach, this whole path, it's multiple prongs that are essentially resolving all the problems of the mind, getting it to the point where it's enlightened and experiencing this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. And that's why we have an entire path and multiple teachings that all of this goes together as one comprehensive life practice. And I'm guiding you on that path, but it's up for each individual to decide to learn it and practice it piece by piece and develop it in a very comprehensive, dedicated, and diligent way. Hi, David. I had a question. If we're working to cultivate loving kindness, but as you mentioned, we're not quite feeling it at this point, is it possible to cultivate loving kindness through acting in a loving kind kind way, essentially faking it until we make it in some sense? Yes, I agree with that, that, you know, if you can just go through the motions and even if you're getting 10 or 20% of where you really ultimately need to be in order to attain enlightenment, at least you're working at the 10 or 20% level, right? And, and it's, it's good awareness of mind that you see like, wow, this is, this is quite difficult. I've got a lot of hostility here. I didn't realize this or wow, I've got a lot of walls up and I'm kind of blocking these people from coming into my life and I'm kind of fearful of these people and kind of pushing all this away. This is really good awareness. And you start taking stock or you start taking inventory of what's going on around you. And if you've been in a place where you've been kind of angry or hostile or bitter and having this resentment, then yeah, it's going to feel quite difficult because the mind's been burdened and bogged down in this darkness, right? This is what we call the darkness. And the mind's kind of used to living in that darkness. And now when you pull back, you know, the curtains and you see the light all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, I don't like that, right? When you first 
go from the darkness into the light. It's like the eyes, the mind doesn't like that. It's so strong. And oftentimes the mind wants to run and hide in the darkness again, right? And what you're doing is you're saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you do that. And even though you're not feeling it, even though it's only at a 5, 10, maybe even 1% level, right? I'm going to actively apply effort to eliminate these unwholesome qualities of hatred, anger, and ill will, and all the other versions that we're talking about. And I'm going to actively cultivate this loving kindness. And this is a good application of right effort. And part of that mental discipline that we need to bring into our life at every moment, not just during meditation, but when you're outside and you see that neighbor that you've just haven't gotten along with for five years and 10 years, and they did something to you a long time ago. Maybe you did something to them a long time ago and you guys haven't spoken for years. You've got to let that go and just be like, hi, neighbor, how are you? Or hi, Fred, or hi, Barbara, right? And just be friendly. Just let it go. It doesn't do any good to harbor this hatred and anger. So if there's people around you now or you encounter people that you haven't seen for a long time and there's some ill will there or some even just some frustration or irritation or annoyance, you've got to push through that and put a smile on your face, even if you're not feeling it, just wave, say hello, whatever it is, be kind, be polite. And each time you do this, it will just get easier and easier. But if you never do it and you don't fake it till you make it, like James is talking about, if you don't try to break through that wall, then you're just going to stay in the darkness because you're never willing to pull back the curtains and walk towards the light. So you've got to break through. And if you need to fake it, then fake it. And that will get easier and easier as you go forward. Thanks, David. Very interesting for you to point out how various elements of the Eightfold Path, such as right effort, can play into developing loving kindness and push us on our path in general. Yes, right effort and right mindfulness, right concentration, that mental discipline is so important that you practice all of those and really get good at them because that's what takes you from being quietly frustrated and irritated to now you're really breaking through the wall because you're really doing something now and you're really working with the mind in a very detailed way. Thanks. I noticed that Gloria has her hand up, so mm -hmm. let's go to her next. And so, um, right effort, so what if we um, know, like the example you gave, what if we know that person, the neighbor, or whatever relationship around us, um, we know has been abusive, has a history of being abusive person, <clears throat> um, and tend to be people that take advantage. And that's how sometimes we try to not be around these people to protect ourselves. Yeah, if there's people that are causing harm in the world through their intentions, speech, and actions, and they're being verbally harmful or physically harmful or mentally harmful, and you choose not to be around them, that's fine. I wouldn't choose to be around someone who is being verbally, physically, or mentally harmful either but at the same time if i choose not to involve them in my life 
then I can still do that without being hostile or angry or having ill will towards that person. You can choose just not to include someone in your life without judging them, without looking down on them, without thinking they're a bad person, without harboring any ill will, but just making a wise choice. This is discernment. Just making a wise choice of it wouldn't be wise for me to be around this person because I know that they're going to attempt to harm me in one way or another and it's best for me to not be around that person. So it's important that you understand the difference between who you include in your life based on non-judgment and practicing all these good wholesome teachings and choosing that certain people maybe you're not going to include in your life but being able to do that without harboring any ill will or judgment towards that person. Thanks, David. That appears to be all the questions we have for now. Okay. And if you guys would like to talk about that any more detail, that's a very important fine detail to learn how to not push people away with aversion. That would be harmful for you if you did that versus just choosing not to have somebody in your life because it's a wise decision and you know it's going to lead to bad things, but you can maintain loving kindness and compassion towards this person. And one of the ways that you can kind of test your mind to know if you're pushing someone away with aversion or not is that, okay, you've decided to no longer have this person in your life and you've decided that it wouldn't be wise for you to have this person in your life. The test that you can give yourself is if this person showed up at your front door and they had broke down and ran out of gas in their car in front of your house or a couple of blocks down the street, would you be willing to help them to get gas, for example, given that everything would be safe, you know, there's no opportunity for them to physically harm you, but just would you be willing to spend 30 minutes, an hour, two hours of your day to go outside and help this person? And if the answer is, yeah, I would go help them. I would help them get gas, I would give them food, I would let them use my phone if they need to, then you're having active goodwill towards this person. doesn't mean you have to do it at this particular moment, but it's a good test for you to determine if there's actually goodwill there. If you were like, if this person showed up in front of my door, I would just slam the door in their face, then you know that there's still hostility and resentment there, and you're not willing to apply good will towards this person so you're still harboring that doesn't mean you have to ask them to show up to your place it doesn't mean you have to involve them in your life but you still need to let go of that hostility so that you no longer harbor it towards this person you may never see them in your life ever and that might be ideal for you to never have that person ever in your life again but if you harbor this resentment and hostility in your mind then you're still holding on to the past and your mind is not free. It's not liberated because you're still harboring these hostile feelings from the past. So this is a nice little test that you can do for yourself. And if you're honest and you're objective, you can do that little test with yourself to determine if there's people in your life that you're like, yeah, like if they showed up, like I just wouldn't be able to help them at all. They're just something inside of me. I would push this away. Those are the people that you need to be including in your loving kindness meditation, not because you're trying to change them, but because you're trying to change and transform your mind 
doesn't mean by transforming your mind and now having loving kindness in your mind, you're going to run out and go spend time with them. That's not what this meditation is about. This meditation is just about helping you to release that resentment and hostility so that it's no longer hindering your mind. It's no longer hindering you from attaining enlightenment. It's no longer holding you back. It's no longer got your mind defiled or polluted. You're purifying the mind to the point where everybody in your life, everybody in the world, no matter what type of being, human being or otherwise, you have this active goodwill, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. Okay, so let's do our loving kindness meditation. I showed you guys the image before where there's these rings. So I'm just going to do that as part of our affirmations today. And I'm going to use kind of more of a geography, kind of starting with our home and then moving out through our neighborhood and beyond to kind of cultivate this active goodwill, just to give you an example of how you can construct these rings. My suggestion for you is to construct these rings based on the people that you're having difficulties with. Of course, maintain you as being the first and all beings as being the last, but then go through these successive rings where you're working with your family, your coworkers, and all these different people, but make sure you include the people that you're having a real challenge for having loving kindness and compassion for, and only you know who those people are. And you need to include those into your meditation. Even if you never see them again, you need to get rid of that ill will in your mind, that hostility. You need to purify the mind because it's going to hinder you if you hold on to any kind of anger or hostility towards anybody at all. So we'll start out with just getting in meditation position. So if you would like to pull up a cushion, sit on the floor, Get some cushions under your rear to reduce that angle at the hip and the knees, the ankle. Or if you like to sit in a chair, just make the lower body comfortable but not luxurious. And then the upper body, it should be nice and erect where you're engaging the muscles in the upper body. This helps to keep the mind attentive, alert, because we need to actively train the mind during meditation. And this erect body helps to keep the mind alert and attentive. Then place your hands and arms in whatever position is comfortable for you. Gautama Buddha put his right hand over his left with his thumbs together, and then that was in his lap. But there's other options here too, with your palms on your thighs or your knees or your arms on your armrest. And then you just would like to close your eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. You just like to establish a breath, just a nice natural breath where you're breathing in nice and consistent and you're breathing out nice and consistent. Experiencing the full breath, breathing in and out. Your breath doesn't have to be at the same pace as what I'm using to kind of cue your breath. I'm just using this as guidance. But you just develop a nice natural breath of breathing in and out. I'm going to do some chanting to ease us into meditation and then I'll come back with some more guidance. 
natural breath, experiencing the full breath, breathing in and out. Focus on the breath, the sound of the breath, the sensation of the air entering the nose. This is the present moment. So focus the mind there, breathing in and out.
If the mind wanders either to the past, to the future, if their thoughts, ideas, perceptions, just cut those off and bring the mind back to the breath. You haven't done anything wrong. No need to feel guilty or shameful. This is just the unenlightened mind longing, craving, yearning. So wherever you notice it's doing that, you just cut it off, let it go, and bring the mind to the breath, the present moment. And breathing in. In, out. Breathing in and out. Your mind may even be interested to hold on to the sound of this voice. So I'm going to be quiet now. Let the mind focus internally. And as it becomes aware that it's not on the breath, the present moment, just cut it off, let it go, bring the mind back to the breath, the present moment, breathing in and out. Breathing in and out.
that you focused on clearing the mind with breathing mindfulness meditation. Let's do loving kindness meditation. When you get to the next out breath, repeat this affirmation on the out breath. Repeat it in the mind quietly. May I be peaceful. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Visualize each of these rings. May all those who live in this house be peaceful. safe.
May they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those in this village be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all those in this province be peaceful. May they be safe.
may they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those in this country be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those who reside on this continent be peaceful.
May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all beings throughout the world and far, far beyond be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. Now focus on the breath, the present moment.
That would be good. We can open things up for questions. See what questions you guys have either on this meditation that we did today, on the understanding of how this meditation is working to help you, or really anything from the entire group learning program or anything from your practice that you have questions about. It's the same, just Put that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom in the comment section, or raise your hand electronically, and the moderators will open you up for asking your question directly. Hi, David. I have a question to start us off. We were speaking earlier about discernment in regards to other people and relationships. I was wondering in regards to old friends or acquaintances, who may not be on the path and who may be engaging in unwholesome behavior. 
is there any guidance on how to deal with this? Is there any value in perhaps being a positive example in their life? Or is this a situation where we may use discernment and not be in their life? Do you have any guidance? Yeah, one of the best things you can do to be a good role model for people is for you to practice the teachings, right? Everybody's got to come to the decision on their own to decide to improve their life, whether that's giving up alcohol or drugs or sexual misconduct or stealing or lying or anything like this. We all have to come to that decision by ourselves. There's nothing that anyone can do to force that decision. And when we come to those decisions by ourselves, they're long-lasting decisions. We won't waver from that decision because we've made it ourselves, rather than kind of being pressured or forced into it. So if you have children or you have friends like you're talking about, anybody that's into things that we know are unwholesome, the best thing you can do is just learn and practice the teachings yourself. And if you have a relationship with these people and you know you could mention to them that you found something that really helps you and that improves your life, you can suggest it to them, but if they're not ready to step forward and learn, then you know there's nothing you can do at that point other than give them a book, give them the link to the Facebook group, the podcast, the YouTube channel, and let them explore on their own. And they're either gonna choose to walk towards the light or stay in the darkness or walk closer to the darkness. Now, if you're trying to really cultivate your own practice, if you have people around you who are doing things unwholesome, this is going to potentially influence your practice. So I encourage people, and Gautama Buddha did as well, to surround yourself with wholesome people, people that are into good, wholesome things, because if you do, then your mind's going to lean towards the light or lean towards enlightenment, lead towards doing more and more wholesome things because you're surrounding yourself with wholesome people. But while you do that, you shouldn't look down on these people that are doing unwholesome things, shouldn't judge them, shouldn't have any anger, hostility, or aggression towards them, but just move your life in the direction of doing good, wholesome things. And if it means that you never are in contact with them anymore, then that's fine, right? What the unenlightened mind wants to do is it wants to hold on to everybody. It wants to hold on. It wants to save everybody. It feels like letting go of a relationship is bad or that you're leaving them behind or you're doing something bad to them. But everybody's making their own choices in life. And if your life, you choose to walk this way and they're choosing to walk that way, then that's okay because not everyone that is in your life right now is gonna be in your life long-term. And not everyone that's been in your life in the past is going to be in your life long term. And it actually can be really helpful for you to not just let go so that you have good, wholesome influences around you. But if you feel your mind pulling and wanting to hold on, then that's that craving. That's that clinging that you've got an attachment to this person and this relationship. And it's actually helpful for you to move on. And should that person decide at some point to change and get into more wholesome things, then you're always open. If you have loving kindness and compassion, not harboring any ill will or hostility, then you're always open to a relationship and you're always willing to do that. But 
you know that it's not going to be wise for you with this person being into unwholesome things. And interestingly enough, what you'll find is that oftentimes that can be exactly what that person potentially might need. If they start seeing more and more people leaving from them because they're into unwholesome things, that can be the trigger that tells them, whoa, like my best friend, James, that him and I have been doing various things for the last five or 10 years together. Like he never even calls me anymore. And whoa, my girlfriend or my boyfriend, my wife, my children aren't interested in being around me anymore. Wow. Or wow, I lost my job. I got fired because of my hostility at work. And these kind of things for someone who's aware and looking at them can be actual triggers to move somebody in the direction of finding a better way about life. But you don't know that that's going to happen. That's not why you should choose to leave. It should all be based on your own practice and that you're looking to cultivate good, wholesome mental states for yourself. And, you know, for sometimes we are taught that this is selfish, right? To like walk away from somebody and really focus on your own practice. But if you stay hooked on to people, if you stay attached to people, then you're not looking out for yourself. You're not looking out to improve your own life. So both of you are going to be in misery. Both of you are going to be in the darkness. It's actually better for at least one of you to step away, improve your life practice. And then if this other person comes around at some point, then you have the wisdom to help that person if they choose to do that. But if you stay attached to this person, then neither one of you are getting the help that you need in improving your life and making good, wise choices. So we've got to get rid of in our culture this idea that focusing on our own life and our own practice is somehow selfish because it's not. It's, it's actually the best thing you can do is if you reduce the harm that you're causing in the world by having more and more wholesome influences around you and improving your practice, that's the very best thing you can do for the world is to stop causing harm through your intentions, your speech, your actions, your livelihood, all the other harms that we cause in the unenlightened state and don't even realize it. That's one of the best things we can do is actually clean up our own practice. And that's a lot of work. That's a whole lot of work. And that's one of the most unselfish things that we can do is stop causing harm to everyone around us. And it just so happens that by stop causing harm to everyone around us, then less and less harm is going to come back to us as well. Thanks, David. That's very timely because, of course, some parts of the world are lifting COVID restrictions. And I suspect some people have been practicing in a bubble for the last year. And now they're going to be making some of these decisions about the people who are in their lives. So I think it's very relevant right now. Yeah, and this is ideal. Like if people have been sequestered in their home for the last year or so because of COVID and you really haven't been around very many people over the last year or so, as you step back out into the world, do that in a very slow, diligent and methodical way is like really make wise choices about who you involve in your life. Again, not judging people, not looking down on people, not being arrogant, but just making wise choices of who you're going to include in your life. If there's craving, if there's desire, if there's this longing with a strong eagerness for some type of interaction, then you might just run out there and just, you know, grab any old person that you can spend a few hours with and have a conversation with or 
have a coffee with or have dinner with. You just grab anybody. And that's going to result in unwholesome results potentially because you're making those decisions out of craving. But if you're like, okay, well, I've been inside for a good year and it's not going to hurt me to just take my time and just build up my life piece by piece, relationship by relationship. And rather than building this life on a house of cards that's going to crumble and fall down readily, it's better for you to build it on a really good, solid foundation where your own wisdom and your own practice is really strong and solid. And now choose the people that are in your life wisely so that you just build this nice solid structure, this nice house, because if you do this haphazardly and you surround yourself with a lot of unwholesome things, then you're essentially building a house of cards that can crumble at any time. Thank you, David. Gloria has her hand raised, so let's go to her next. So what I am understanding is if there are people that are I would say, kind of difficult around our lives. Um, it's, um, we, can st- we can still be f- friendly, um, polite, um, like say good morning, you know, still be kind to them. However, that doesn't mean we're going, they're going to be our best friends or they're going to be included in our lives. Uh, because we already know that person can be hurtful uh, uh, to us. So we don't need to have them included in our lives, but we still are kind and friendly to them. Um, we, we're not going to, in other words, I, I can use this, but be, uh, the way that acting may be violent, we don't need to give the same to them. Instead, be kind to them. But that doesn't mean we're going to include them in our regular lives. Right. So if somebody's verbally, mentally, or physically abusive to you, you know, and that's beyond your control, you know, there's no need to have those kind of people in your life. And aside from them being, you know, verbally, mentally, or physically abusive, nobody can actually harm you, right? aside from you know physical harm but if you're around people if your mind is well protected with these teachings nobody can actually harm you sure somebody could cut you with a knife or shoot you with a gun or these kind of things so that's why anyone who's verbally mentally or physically abusive you wouldn't want to be around those people because they're unpredictable and they can cause harm but if there's somebody that's just kind of like you just don't like the way they talk or you don't like the way that they look at you or, you know, there's just like little these little pet peeves that we kind of like have in the workplace or in our neighborhood that we just feel like, ah, I really don't like this person. This is just the mind pushing people away that you disagree with and they don't meet certain conditions that you have set out for. So those kind of people, you actually need to work at releasing any kind of feelings of pushing those people away. And they can actually be quite helpful for you to smile, say hello, be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all of these people because it's training the mind to not hold and harbor these conditions that you're needing to see in order for them to be involved in your life. 
but this class of people that we're talking about that are like abusive right like that are literally abusive those types of people you know there's just no need to have them in your life whatsoever but if you saw one of them in the mall or at the library or something there's no reason for you to to shy away in fear because if you fear them then the mind still has discontentedness and that can be a way for you to yes be polite kind friendly and respectful wave or smile or just if you see them and you just know like there's no need for me to wave or smile at this person because that's going to invite them to come over and talk with me and i know that they're physically abusive but at the same time you don't want to just avoid them because that's the mind wanting to push away so there's like this sweet spot in the middle where the mind can be content if you see this person and you come face to face with him oh hi how are you or if you see them from afar you don't just kind of scurry away in fear and kind of go the opposite direction because that wouldn't be good either you have to kind of find that middle where you make wise decisions of people to include in your life but you're not excluding anyone from your life because of anger or because of aversion or hostility or aggression don't exclude people from your life because of your anger because that's coming from you if you choose to not involve people in your life out of a wise decision because they're into unwholesome things that's completely different than choosing to push someone out of your life because of your own hostile feelings towards them this is the real difference thanks david it, it seems like what's supremely important is how we relate to individuals whether or not we do decide that they're in our lives whether we relate with a positive mindset or with aversion and avoiding relating to people with aversion is what we're really looking for here yeah this is where mindfulness comes in and is so important being aware of your mind and this is where sometimes you have to step back and kind of look at the situation and if you're feeling like you want to push someone out of your life you have to ask the mind why do you want to do this why is this important to you and if you see that it's because of your own anger hatred ill will hostility frustration irritation annoyance any bitterness or resentment then those are all feelings being produced in your own mind you're causing those feelings that wouldn't be a reason to push someone out of your life right and you shouldn't push anyone out of your life anyway you can walk away from people you can you know walk in the opposite direction in terms of your life choices but you don't want to push them out of your life right so if you're noticing that you're wanting to push people out of your life because of your own feelings then there's some craving desire attachment that's causing these feelings there and we're leaving this special class of people who are abusive that's completely separate right if someone's abusive literally abusive that's a whole different situation and even those people you don't want to push them out of your life you're just choosing to not be around them because you know that they're into unwholesome intention speech and actions and choosing to be around them would be detrimental to your health potentially your mental health or your physical health so you're choosing not to be around them but when you're making that choice you're not doing it out of anger you're not doing it out of hostility you're not doing it out of resentment or ill will or anything like this you're doing it based on their actions 
their actions or what have led you to choosing that this would be an unwholesome relationship and I'm going to choose not to be in a relationship with them, but you can maintain this interest in them being well. I'm choosing to no longer be around this person because they're harmful, but I wish them well. I would like to see good things happen for them. And should someday they show up in my life and they're doing better in their life, then I'm completely open to a relationship. But I'm choosing that I'm not interested in being around these things that they're into right now. This is really important that you delineate with awareness of mind. Any time the mind's trying to push somebody away, why is that? And don't allow the mind to just push people out of your life because that's going to create conflict. Instead, just choose to continue walking forward on your path and just continue to keep walking without a need to push somebody down or push somebody away or I'm choosing to no longer be friends with you. You know, I don't agree with the things that you do. You've harmed me and now we can't be friends anymore. This conversation doesn't have to actually happen. This is the way that the mind tends to want to do things is it wants this confrontation It wants this closure. It wants to put a lid on this relationship and it wants to tell this person, I can no longer be friends with you or I can no longer be your teacher or I can no longer be your student or I can no longer be your your friend. And it feels like there needs to be this confrontation and put this lid on it because the mind wants this closure, this end to the relationship. But instead, you can actually just keep walking forward in life and choosing not to be around that person and then say two years three years five years ten years down the road you bump into that person you can still have a relationship with them if you've just kind of slowly walked away from them they show back up in your life and you're like hey what are you up to what are you doing and you hear all these good amazing things that they're into and they've drastically improved their life well the door's wide open for you to have a relationship with them Whereas if you've had this confrontation where you've told them, I can no longer be associated with you. And here's the reasons why I can't be associated with you anymore. Then you've basically just burned this bridge. You've burned this relationship. And there's really no need for you to have that confrontation or that conversation because it's not going to produce anything good. As soon as that friend or as soon as that person hears that you're pulling away and choosing to no longer be friends with them, They're going to get angry. They're going to get hostile because they probably have craving, desire, attachment. And it's going to produce unwholesome mental states in their mind. And they're probably going to try to hold on to you tighter. They're probably going to try to pull you tighter. Whereas if you just kind of gradually ease away from them and kind of move in another direction, then you haven't burned any bridges. You haven't come to this confrontation. And someday in the future, if you run into them, there's always an opportunity for you guys to do things together or to be associates or just to be kind and friendly and have a three-minute conversation of being kind and friendly to each other. And this will allow the mind to not push people away and feel like it has to come to this resolution of this relationship of these are the people who are in my life and these are the people who are out of my life. And these people that are in my life now, if one of them mess up, I'm going to have to confront them and tell them you're no longer in my life, right? This is what the unenlightened mind wants to do, but that's not what you should do because it's not healthy and beneficial for you. Do you think that that draw toward confrontation and toward 
removing people from one's life can also be the ego manifesting and in such a way as perhaps saying in some sense elevating oneself above another absolutely that can be part of it that's absolutely part of it all those fetters you know whether it's the self whether it's the sensual desires whether it's ill will those are three of the lower fetters that are at play there that attribute to this the conceit or the arrogance also contributes to it and the mind wants to know okay these are the people who are in my life and these are the people who are out of my life and the mind feels like it has some kind of level of stability to know this and it wants this permanence it wants to know where it's at at any given time with any particular individual this is from the animal world this is the mind wanting a pecking order this is the mind wanting to know this is my herd this is my pack this is you know this is my tribe and i'm going to associate with these animals because they're in my tribe and then it wants a pecking order but what you can do as a human being is you can get rid of that and you can just ebb and flow and be involved with people and by not saying anything harsh by not having any hostility or resentment by practicing all these good teachings of the eightfold path which mainly i'm focusing on today talking about right intention right speech right action by you focusing on all of those and you never causing any harm to anybody but you're just choosing to walk in a different direction without even telling the person but just gradually walk and distance yourself more and more because you haven't caused any harm there's still this open door and with certain people in your life that maybe have abused you and caused trauma like Gloria was talking about even those people you don't have to confront them and say I no longer want you in my life get out right because this is going to probably make them want to hold on to you tighter because an abusive person is trying to control things they have a lot of craving and because they're trying to hold on and have craving they're trying to control be abusive when you tell them that you no longer want them in your life and you're trying to push them out they're going to hold on tighter so it's better for you to just skillfully find ways to gradually walk away and get away from them remaining safe and then who knows what might happen in this relationship it doesn't mean you're looking for that person to ever come back but you've got to get to a point where you're comfortable without having to put a lid on this thing and say these are the people in my life these are the people out of my life these are the haves and these are the have nots because that's what the enlightened mind wants to do and it's just better to just ebb and flow you know i could give you story after story how this really works out in your benefit that you don't ever have any confrontation where you're telling somebody i no longer want you in my life and of course if it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend you may have to slowly kind of ease your way away from them and this is the way that they do it here in thailand if you're have a boyfriend or girlfriend or a boyfriend boyfriend girlfriend girlfriend they don't really come and say okay i would like to break up with you i want to end our relationship i no longer want you to be my girlfriend i no longer want you to be my boyfriend you know we're no longer together right this creates massive discontentedness in the mind of both people it's better to just kind of gradually ease the mind away without having to have that big confrontational conversation that everybody recognizes oh my goodness this is ending 
And now the unenlightened mind doesn't like that change, and that's where the discontentedness is going to come in. Thanks, David. We have a question from Ana, so let's go to her next. Okay. Yes, hi, teacher David. Um, today's discussion has been especially important for me and relevant to some experiences in my life. Um, so it feels especially harsh um, when you experience something like greed, hatred, or anger from someone who is close, who is a close family member, um, someone who you've um, had personal interaction with, and um, years and years of um, a relationship, basically. Um, so would loving kindness meditation effectively depersonalize these type of interactions, which in my situation, I can't just cut the person out of my life. So would the loving kindness meditation basically eliminate my longing or eagerness for everything to work out? Is that what would be the result of um, my cultivating this loving kindness meditation? And uh, particularly for an individual in my life who um, would not be out of my life. The loving kindness is going to transform the mind wanting to push people away and harboring this hostility, anger, and hatred towards that person. The longing to wanting things to work out, the craving to wanting things to work out, that's breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity that's going to help with that. But both of these things have to come into daily practice. It can't just be meditation. So when there's a self there, Manal, if somebody's hostile or angry to you, particularly somebody who's close to you, and when I say close to you, it's probably somebody that you have attachment to yourself. When this person is hostile or angry or greedy or, or whatever your experience has been, the mind experiences all kinds of discontentedness because of that attachment that you have, because of that craving, desire, attachment you have. What you've got to get to is rather than looking at this person has done something to you, because that's the self. That's the self thinking that this person has done something to you because there's still a you there. You've got to get to the point where you realize this person has talked harshly with me because their mind has defilement, because their mind has these fetters, their mind has these taints, their mind has this unknowing of true reality, this ignorance. They don't have the mental control. They don't have the wisdom that they need to practice these teachings where they're able to be polite, kind, friendly, respectful, practicing all those five factors of well-spoken speech. And I can have compassion for this person and I can have loving kindness for this person because I recognize that it's their own lack of wisdom. It's their own lack of understanding that they're not able to have this mental discipline and this good, wholesome practice to treat me polite and kind and friendly, respectful, the way that I perhaps treat them. So rather than looking at as this person has done something to you, because that means there's a you there, there's a self there, just look at it as them lacking the discipline, them lacking the life practice. And then that way, 
you disassociate with the words and their actions and you see that as them, right? Their intentions, their speech and their actions can truly only hurt them. If you've practiced really well, their intentions, speech and actions can only hurt them. But because they're still craving in your mind, because there's still these fetters that are in your mind, including the self, that's why their speech hurts you. And they're not actually hurting you. You're actually hurting yourself, as you probably know, because of the craving, desire, attachment for things to be a certain way. But if you let go of the self and not think of it as they're doing something to you, but that they're just lacking the ability to practice these teachings and they may not even have the knowledge or wisdom of these teachings, they may not even be on the path, then you can just have compassion for them and just be like, oh, okay, well, they just don't have what they need in order to practice these teachings and start to kind of disassociate yourself with their intention, speech, and actions. That's one of the best ways I can explain it. And we can talk about this more if you have a follow-up question, Manal, based on what I just shared, because I know this is very tough to do, but when you get to that point where you can separate yourself and there's no longer a self there and you can just see the person's intention speech and actions as being them and it's on them this is really liberating because then no matter what people say to you or what they do it doesn't hurt you because there is no you there and this is just so liberating for you that just when somebody speaks up and is angry or hostile just you just notice it and you notice it as it's harming them, not harming you. But you've got to get to the point where you let go of that self because it's that self that keeps wanting to uh, feel like this is being directed at you. And sure, they're speaking to you. Sure, their actions are directed towards this physical body. But if the mind no longer has a self, then no matter what they say or do, it can't bother you because... It's harming them, not you. Hi, David. We have a related question from Dieter on Facebook. Mm-hmm. He said, why not to confront gives them not a chance to discuss why you don't feel comfortable with them. In my case, my mother just walked away. We don't meet. It hurts her that she won't turn in a good direction. She is 78. Of course, it's tough for me not to meet, maybe even when she is dying. Maybe not or very rare before that. And I'm in trouble for days after meeting her. Yeah, what I was talking about earlier about not confronting is like friends, right? And, and people that are like acquaintances and people who you don't really need to have in your life. When it comes to your mom, this is a whole different topic. Your mom and your dad are completely different uh, situation. That those are two people that you should attempt to cultivate a relationship with but without craving desire attachment, which is really challenging for a child to do because there's such attachment to our parents until we train the mind to eliminate it. So with your mom, it sounds like you've had multiple conversations and nothing has budged and nothing has improved. So you've just got to accept mom for the way she is and the way she's is she's 78 years old she's surely not going to you know instantly change and you guys having a tough relationship with each other 
if I was you, I would just get to a point with your mom that there's no unspoken words because your mom's time is limited on this earth, as is everybody's. But it sounds like your mom being 78, you know, she doesn't have too many more years left. And the last thing you would like to happen is for your mom to die and there to be unspoken words and things that are in your mind that you haven't said to your mom that you need to share with her. And when I say share with her, I don't mean to share hostility or aggression or tell her all the wrong things that she's done in your life. That's not what I'm sharing. I'm saying if you have questions like, mom, you know, when I was 12 years old, I really had this jacket that I wanted you to buy and you never bought it for me and it really hurt me. I'm just curious, do you really truly love me? And, you know, I love you, but I'm just curious, do you love me? Right? Because for your mom to die and not to know whether they truly love you or not is actually a hard thing to resolve once they're dead. So you've got to get to a point where if your mom died right now, this instant, then you understand that you've spoken everything you need to share and there's nothing else that you need to hear from your mom that would release anything from your mind. So you've got to have all those kinds of conversations. You're not going to change your mom at 78 years old. She's not going to change. So the best thing you can do is at least get to a point where your mind isn't wanting any specific information or conversation from her because once she dies you can't have that conversation so get to a point where you've said everything you need to say and there's nothing else that you need to say or that you need to hear from her and then if you can at least get to that place it doesn't sound like you guys are going to necessarily have a really good relationship before she dies but also at the same time you really don't ever know right my grandfather had a really rough relationship with everybody around him for pretty much his entire life. And then the last two and a half years where he was struggling with cancer and he knew he was headed to death, he got more and more soft as he got closer and closer to death. In the last kind of three months of his life, he just made amends with everybody. I mean, everybody, you know, all of his kids, all of his grandkids, all of our boyfriends and girlfriends and everybody. He just apologized, talked kind, told us to be well, gave us all these warm, loving words that we had never heard from him his entire life. You know, this was a Marine who fought in World War II, right? So he was a hard man, and that's the way he grew up. He grew up in the Great Depression of America, where, you know, a very difficult life and a very different time than us. But it was these last few months that we heard things from him that we had never heard before. So you never know with your mom that as people start to get closer and closer to death and they realize that, they can oftentimes change very quickly, very rapidly. But if your mind wants it and you crave it and you just got to have it, that's why your mind's going to be discontent because you want this relationship with your mom so badly to be a certain way. You've just got to accept it for what it is, have any kind of conversations that you need, and then as things change, just be open to that. And, you know, it sounds like you've already tried to help mom the best you can in certain situations and there hasn't been any beneficial results. So why just keep trying and putting the pressure on yourself and putting pressure on mom? Just enjoy the last few months or years of your mom's life of just accepting her for who she is, as she is. You know how she is. You've been around her your whole life and 
just let it be and just accept it for what it is and just know that it can always change um, but don't hold out hope for that thank you david those are all the questions we have for today okay so this loving kindness meditation you can almost consider it like preparation for doing this deeper work that we're talking about now with Manal in this last question as well because it's one thing to sit in meditation and cultivate this loving kindness when you're all by yourself in meditation and thinking all these really warm you know thoughts this peaceful thoughts towards these people but it's a whole nother thing when you're in that person's presence and you see their face and you have these recollections of past experiences with them and maybe they're still being hostile and angry towards you it's a whole nother situation where you can just kind of if you're not really strong with your mental discipline you can just kind of throw all this stuff away and start being hostile and angry towards them with your speech and your actions but none of that's going to lead to any good results you've got to see more and more that your intentions your speech and your actions are only harming you and other people's intention speech and actions are only harming them too you're allowing it to harm you you're allowing other people's intention speech and actions to harm you but you're allowing that to happen so when we talk about somebody takes advantage of you or somebody walks all over you that's because we allow them to do that your mind doesn't have the mental discipline to know how to practice any other way at this point in my life nobody can take advantage of me nobody can walk on me and not because i'm guarding or i have ego or i'm protecting the reason why nobody can walk on me is because there is no me there's no way that anybody can come into my life no matter how disrespectful no matter how hostile they are no matter what they say or do they can't hurt me because there's no me here and when there's no me here then the mind's completely liberated and you get rid of all those fetters and there's nothing that anyone can ever do to shake up the mind so yes we've got to cultivate this loving kindness and meditation but then the real work begins in these relationships when you're in these relationships and sometimes you need to distance yourself when i was working on this relationship with my mom she's passed away now but when i was working on that relationship i probably didn't see her for a good three five eight years while i was working on my own mind so that then when i re-engaged with her i only saw her like maybe once a year and then once every six months and then once every three months and then you know a little bit more frequently and i didn't talk to her right and i just really distanced myself not because i was having uh, negative thoughts towards her in terms of i was trying to push her out of my life but just i needed to work on my own mind so that when i re-engaged with her that my mind was in a healthier place and when i was able to do that then when she would say something unkind to me it didn't hurt me it didn't bother me because i wasn't attached to her and i recognized that her harsh words her hostility, her unkind words were hers. They didn't belong to me. They were hers. But the last five, 10 years of her life, we didn't have any harsh words at all because we had worked out all of that stuff. But it took a lot of time to do that and you've got to really work on your own mind. 
This is where the Buddha talks in the Eightfold Path. He talks about seclusion. A lot of times people, as they're working on this path really, really closely, you go into some solitude, some isolation, and you kind of seclude yourself from the world for a while. Maybe just you and your partner, or maybe just you, your partner, and your children, and you kind of like seclude yourself, and maybe just a few people at work that you really need to interact with. And by bringing your life down to just a few people and you're just practicing the teachings with these people, it can really help you to build up your practice so that then as the mind becomes more liberated and it's better trained, you can then step out and have healthy relationships with more and more people. But if you're trying to have a whole bunch of relationships with people now, but you haven't really done the work on your own mind, then you're going to struggle. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to stumble over your feet because you're spending so much time with everyone else and not improving the condition of your own mind. So what this path really does in a big way is it focuses you internally as the number one problem is your mind. The problem isn't that people are talking hostile to you. That's not the problem. The problem isn't that people are speaking hostile to you. The problem is, is that your mind expects everyone to speak respectfully to you. Your mind craves this permanence where everyone needs to speak respectful to you. That's the real problem because people are going to speak hostile to you in your life. You can't permanently get to a point where 100% of the people speak polite to you. It's not going to happen, not in this lifetime. So the problem isn't that people are speaking hostile to you. It's that your mind doesn't understand impermanence and your mind is still craving permanence and it wants this permanent respect. It wants this permanent peacefulness where others should be kind to you all the time. It doesn't mean we agree with these harmful intentions, speech, and actions. It doesn't mean that we agree with those It doesn't mean that this person is an angel and they're speaking aggressively to you. It just means that you don't allow the mind to expect that everyone's going to be kind to you all the time. Because if your mind expects that, that's where you're going to cause yourself discontentedness because it's craving permanence. You've got to get to the point where when someone speaks hostile to you, that makes sense, right? Because there's impermanence. Just like when your cell phone dies or your computer shuts down or your bag of groceries break or your you stump your toe on something there's impermanence the body's hurting now the body can't permanently be healthy it's not possible the grocery bag can't permanently support all the groceries your car can't permanently look beautiful and the same thing is people can't permanently speak to you politely and kindly because they're not enlightened. They're unenlightened. The real problem here is that your mind craves this permanent politeness, this permanent kindness. The only way that you improve all of this is by training the mind. And just because other people are hostile to you, you shouldn't return hostility back. Because this is like a rubber ball just bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around. If somebody's hostile to me, I have many different things that I might do in order to 
move past that. But there's one thing that I will surely not do is I surely won't be hostile back or angry back, right? Because that's not going to produce any benefits. That's just going to keep all this discontentedness going longer because you're producing unwholesome decisions to be hostile. So now this hostility is going to just keep coming back to you. So you've got to clean up your practice where you are no longer speaking hostile, where you're polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings. And doing that for a longer and longer and longer period of time, no matter what people are doing around you, you just always maintain your practice, your solid practice of the Eightfold Path, practicing each one of those steps. And just stay dedicated and diligent to that. Just stay solid on that for many, many months and years. And over time, these things start to clean up. But you've got to clean up your mind first before you'll start experiencing the people around you start realizing that they're the ones who are hostile. It's not you, because when they're hostile at you, you just stay quiet, perhaps, and say nothing. Or... Maybe you just stand up and you walk away. Or, you know, there's many different things you can do. You can just smile, right? Because when someone's being hostile and angry with you, if you do nothing back, eventually they realize it's them. It's them who are being hostile. You just smile or you just stand up and walk away or you just remain quiet. So keep working on this. Keep continuing to meditate each day, doing breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. And then as we go forward here on Sunday, we're going to be talking about chapter three, which is what is enlightenment or what is Nibbana. And then we're going to move into the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, chapter four and five. We're really going to revisit all of this stuff as we progress through the book so that you can get really, really good at understanding and practicing the Four Noble Truths, which is right view, and then right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. You've just got to know it so clear, so cold, where you just understand these steps so well because you've soaked it into the mind and you're just practicing it all the time. But that takes gradual training. So Don't put pressure on yourself to be there today, but just know that that's where you need to get to, where you just know this path inside and outside, backwards and forwards. So I'll see you either on Sunday, where we're going to talk about chapter three, or next Wednesday, where we're going to be doing our fourth part of loving kindness meditation. Until then, continue to treat everyone polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. Take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.